Hi, this is GOK, Gospel Kennison number 18, brought to you on September, no, October, flip, 10. 10, 10, 10. It's awesome. I hope somebody's birthday is on that day. Uh, again, uh, I'm James Kennison. This is my personal audio journal. Make sure you check out uh, all the podcasts and stuff I do at nlcast.com. Also, drawyouapicture.com, where you can get stuff drawn pretty darn cheap. And uh, anyway, today what I want to talk about is uh, the frustration I have with Christians, okay? Now, before you turn me off, Christian, um, I want to talk about this with you, not at you, because I'm a Christian. I am saved to the bone, baby, and I struggle, <laughs> just like everybody does, with uh, with issues of faith and obedience and discipleship and my will versus God's will and all that stuff. And, um, but the thing I struggle with most is a certain type of Christian. Um, and this type of Christian are the people that maybe focus on the spiritual gifts more than they focus on the fruits of the Spirit. Now, maybe you're a non-Christian or, or somebody that doesn't know a whole lot. So I'm going to explain a few things to you. Maybe I'm not judging you. I'm just saying... I want you to be on the inside of what that means. And uh, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There are nine of them. Um, It's in the Bible. They're the things that naturally grow from a life that is lived according to God's will. Okay? That's what we believe. And that's what I've experienced when I read my Bible, pray every day, I grow, 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 just like the old song. When I connect with God, those are the things that naturally are that come out of me, more of it, and in, in more and more increasing doses. It's not like I'm all of a sudden patient. I'm more patient, okay? I'm not perfect, but I'm getting there, and I see, you know, it's a process. It's a long, horrible <laughs> process, especially if you're a lazy bum by default like me. Um, it's like anything worth doing though, isn't it? You know, working out sucks, but we do it. I don't, but my wife does because she likes the results and Christianity is a lot like that for me. Okay. I struggle. I don't mind saying it and I hope it doesn't cause you to stumble that I can't, I do. Uh, but man, okay. So that the fruits of the spirit. But, but the gifts of the Spirit, when people typically think about those, they think about tongues, interpretation, prophecy, and then more recently, it's been signs and wonders, okay, healings, uh, you know, if you go to some of these extreme churches, you're going to see people barking, swinging, dancing, Um and you know, hats off to them if they want to do that. That, that but I'm gonna be honest with you, that is not my bag. Okay, I do go to what some would call a Pentecostal church. It's not raving Pentecostal, you know. I don't know. It's like Baptist, Baptist churches. They're they're all over the place. There's some you go to, and it's very contemporary, good music, blah blah blah. You go to others, and it's more traditional hymn books. You know, everything is in the bulletin order of service. Miss Chelsea's going to sing from page one, you know, that kind of thing. And, and hats off to y'all. If 
you want to do it that way, that's cool. I'm somewhere in the middle where I like a little bit of the old and and just the side of normal of the freaky deaky stuff, okay? I'm here's my thing on signs and wonders and and all that. If God is making us do these things, then great. I'm all for anything God legitimately, legitimate God stuff. I, I'm not going to turn away anything. But there's some of the stuff I look at and I go, what in the world does that do for anybody other than make you think that you look spiritual? Okay. Maybe I'm just talking so, uh, maybe I'm being too vague, but, uh, my whole life, I was raised, you know, in charismatic Pentecostal type churches, and I've heard all of the things that are said about these churches. Okay, and I guess I want to say to the non-Christian who's listening to this, and to the Christian that is listening to this, but specifically the non-Christian, every time I hear a Christian reference by a non-Christian, somebody that's been injured, not not all, I guess. But an unchurched, atheistic type person, they reference a cert, the same kind of Christian that I can't stand. And I guess I just wanted to let – just get this out there and say this, is that we struggle with those kind too. Is that okay to finally admit and say, I don't like everybody that goes to my own church? Okay? We're not, we're not perfect and we're not, I mean, we are in unity as far as we love God, but man, man, we'd be stupid if we didn't admit that we straggle, struggle, and wrangle. And, you know, church is a lot like any place else. The only difference is people are trying to be good. And, and, and trust me, when I say this, I believe there are more non judgmental Christians than are. I believe there are more Christians that are the kind of Christians that you would want to be if you were one non, non unsaved atheist person. The kind of Christians that are out there that would make Christianity attractive even to you who have decided that it's not for you. I believe there are more of them out there. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. I want to believe that. How about that? But I think those guys are around you all the time and they're they're just normal people. People that you know. They just happen to not go clubbing. Maybe they don't drink. Maybe they do. They 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 live their life at peace. They're not judgmental or mean. So they kind of blend a little bit. Maybe it's your best friend. Maybe it's somebody you can rely on. And and I don't know. I just want to say that. I am. I, I like to think of myself as not as a non butthole Christian. And just say butthole on my own audio journal. I I try to be very nice. I think I'm nicer to unsaved people than I am to my own people, and that's the truth. I guess because I have high expectations for people that claim to be the people of God, and I get a little irritated when they're buttholes. When you know, because the gifts of the spirit. This is the thing that we all seem to want to just thrive on, and we judge our spirituality on that. If you can talk in an unknown tongue, then that proves that you have the Holy Spirit. 
And if, if it proves you have the Holy Spirit, it proves that everything that comes out of your mouth is the God's word on his truth. And you can't be called into question or called to the carpet or told to be quiet or anything. And so now all of a sudden you have power. But the truth is, you're just weird. See, there's those people. And I don't like them. Okay, I don't I, I love them because I have to and I want to I, I do I feel for them and I want them to find a better version of, of the truth or a deeper version. I think what happens though, bless their heart is they, you know, you get a certain type of personality that wants to be seen that wants to be important and they don't know how and they haven't been discipled, which means they haven't been taught how to really know God. And so they try to imitate it and they try with things from the outside to spark something on the inside. And they so badly want to believe that what they hear and read is true, that they, in some ways, make excuses for God by faking things when what they want doesn't necessarily happen. And why is that? First of all, because God is not tame. He's not Santa Claus or your grandpa, and he doesn't do things on your schedule. And somehow or another in America, we have forgotten that we don't tell God what to do. He's God. We do what he wants us to do. And we don't decide where we're going to serve him and then ask him to come and help. We look for where he wants us to go and we go there and we serve with him in what he is doing. But when we don't do it right and we get everything backwards in the carts before the horse, we find ourselves, oh, I want to be a prophet. I want to be a person that moves in the gifts of the Spirit. I've read this. It looks awesome. I want this for me. I want God to meet these needs in my life. We don't realize they're not needs, that maybe they are dysfunctions. And I say we because pastors are supposed to be we, but I'm not one of these people. These people, they need God worse <laughs> than anybody. I, I, I guess I would call them the special needs Christian. And churches are full of them. Oh, man, they're entire. Oh, they're everywhere. Uh, but my job as a pastor is to help them find the real truth. And the real truth is that church isn't about feeling good. It's not. I think it's about practicing. I think it's about fellowship. It's about leadership. It's about learning. It's about getting refueled so that you can go out and live. I think Christianity should be more about what you do outside the church than what you do inside. Maybe I'm a little crazy there, but maybe I feel like American Christianity has become about all about the church. We have friends that are Christians. We hang out with each other. We get full of the Spirit, and then we don't do anything with it, and it makes us weird. Some of us. And rather than being in the world, but apart, but uh, separate from it, we're separate from the world, and we're just like them. You hear what I'm saying? Let me say that again. Instead of being in the world but not of the world, we're separate from them, but we're just like them. Except one main difference is we use the love that God gave us almost like we're favorites. 
I got news for you, Christian butthole, that don't listen to my show anyway. God loves the sinners as much as he loves us. Yeah, let me say that again. He loves gay people. He loves robbers and thieves. He loves uh, alcoholics and gang members and abusive parents. He loves Taliban (laughs) as much as he loves you. And there's a miracle in that because no matter how good you think you are, you self-righteous person, God still loves you and puts up with you as, he, as, as we would a child who walks around in his parents' shoes trying to look grown up. But the problem is, butthole Christian, you're hurting people. You're hurting people so much. And it is you. It is you, false prophet. It is you, self-proclaimed speaker from God, judgmental person. It is you, more than the devil, that has turned people in droves away from the one true God because you have misrepresented him. I've worked in youth ministry and children's ministry for years. And in youth, more than children, you see the effects of people that work with youth and teenagers for the wrong reasons. These hyper-faith spiritual people that come in with more gifts than fruit, with more uh, Bible verses than common sense. The word that, that of God that hasn't been tested and proved and, and tried. It's just they went through and picked and found the, the, the verses. And instead of using the sword of the spirit of truth as a defensive weapon, they use it to attack these teenagers and even though the, ver- the word says God judges the heart, not the outward appearance, man does that, even though it's very clear that we shouldn't start there, that's the one place we do. I don't know about you, I'd, I'd rather somebody dress like a hooker in my church than dress like one on the street. I'd re- I want a church with cigarette butts outside. I don't know. Maybe I am one of the few. But my point with this whole thing is to let the unchurched, atheist, injured person know that there are people out there that struggle with the same kind of Christians you do. But for some reason, I know in my life the reason why I stuck with it but you, you've got to be asking yourself, James, if, it, if the church is so broken, which it isn't that bad off. There's, you know, the only problem with churches is there's full of people, injured people, hurt people. People are still people. The only difference between a church and a football game is that the football game, people don't talk about their issues and their politics and their beliefs. And at church, we do. So drama is inherent. But there are people like me, and, 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 and I'm nobody, but I'm just saying I think I've got my, my junk straight enough to say that I think I, I view people a little closer to the way God does. I don't, I don't judge people. It's not my job to judge you. You know, they say love the sinner, hate the sin. That's not our job. That's not our job. 
I never see anywhere in there that it says judge not. I, it's not my job to call you out. It's my job to love you. But we're so afraid that if we love you as you are, we're accepting what you do. But today, so many people associate what they do with who they are that we, we end up rejecting what they are and who they are. Some people must be asking, and, and I would be, it's like, uh, James, if, if the church is so jacked, why do you stick with it? I've got to answer that in two parts. One would be this, and, and I've probably told this before, but when I, I grew up, you know, like I said, in a lot of uh, Pentecostal stuff, a lot of fake crap, a lot of false prophecies, and and it wasn't all bad. Actually, some of them were pretty cool. You know, none of them happened, which is why I say they're false. But man, there was promising some good stuff. God was just gonna take me after high school and just hook me up, and He didn't. Nothing happened. It's supposed to be magical. You know, nothing happened. How did you stand it? How did you handle it? Why'd you stay with the church? Well, the first thing is, I don't know, I was just sitting there and I was thinking about how fake everything was, how fake it all was. Now, maybe the difference between you and me is I, I had enough VBS and Sunday school and a couple of really good people that just touched me at certain times in my life that I believed that there had to be a God, okay? I, I believe that. Never got that, that you know dark, I guess, or that far away. And so I was holding on to that, and I'm guys, I'm I'm just kind of thinking about this whole thing, and I'm like, but all this other stuff, you know, this Holy Spirit stuff, is falling down and shaking and rolling and judging and oh, dude, it's all fake, and uh, and and a voice that I now know that you know at the time sounded like my own brain, but I know I'm too stupid to think this smart, but I know now it was God, you know, kind of speaking to me in my own thoughts, kind of just said, yeah. Well, everything you know, you saw pretty much was fake. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm eighteen, you know, I know everything." Oh, yeah, thank you. I'm right. And then the the thought came, but everything that's fake, everything that's fake is imitating something real. That's what makes it fake. Everything that's fake is imitating something real. And I thought my first probably sane thought in my life, I'm holding out for that. And so that's why I stick with the church on that end and why I stay in the kind of church I'm in because I do believe for every fruity fruit loop thing that I've ever seen and you've heard about there is something real because I've moaned in my prayer life before. All right, I was praying for someone who had um uh hepatitis C. She's going to die. It sucks. She's an awesome lady. She had grandkids and everything, and I was hurting for her so bad. I'm even getting emotional as I remember it. And I was laying on the floor, and I'm just praying for her. And God, I was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And and soon I was so – I wasn't despairing for her. I wasn't feeling like it was hopeless. I I almost felt like it was just my soul going out to her. Does that make sense? And it came out. It just did. I was like, oh. But it was something I could have stopped at any moment. It's not like I shook and rolled around on the floor and turned into a dog or something. And it's like, but that was like, you know, nine years ago. So I guess some people would call that a spiritual manifestation. But you know what? By God, it was real. It was real. 
And I didn't wake up and write a book and get a tape series out and start the I'm Owned on the Ground Ministries. Dad gum. It just happened. It was just between me and God and the poor guy in the prayer room with me. And I moved on. But I think it had a purpose. I, I really, because I looked in the Bible and it says when you, when you don't know the words to say, your soul will, will rise up in you with groans that can't be expressed. And that's exactly what I experienced. It was not only something that was real to me and that I didn't do on purpose. I mean, it's not like I, I was controlled or anything. I wasn't in a trance. But it was just... I, you know, like you, when you're hurt, you cry, you know, when, when you, when you're sunburned, you say, ouch, you know, it was like that kind of a response. But then I found it in scripture that, that, Hey, this is kind of legit. And, um, I don't know, you know, I've done, I've had other things happen. Not many, to be honest. I've never fallen down, you know, uh, I've never shook. I, I've, I've cried. But that's normally because I cry at everything, you know. When I feel God touches me, you know, quote unquote, or make, you know, like, you know, I I described earlier when he and I had a conversation, most of mine are like that with him where I put something out there and I just feel the answer come to my mind. And I realize that wasn't me because I'm not good at figuring out my own questions. And when I answer them, I usually answer them easy. And usually the answers I get from him are very difficult and challenging and they suck. But but they're still the best thing for me. Uh, and so, you know, that I guess all that to say that's the big reason. That's one of the reasons I stay in it. Um, because, it because there is a realness there. And I'm not going to allow all the crap that I've seen and all the crap that I continue to see to keep me from the real. I'm pushing past all that. And I'm not, because when I stand before God and I truly believe every man and woman will, I truly believe. I want to, I don't know. I, I, he's not going to ask me, you know, did you do this and did you do that? Did you fall down? Did you shake? There's not going to be a, a second book of life that says, did you read KJV only? There's not going to be a third book of life that said, you know, did you do this and that? You know, it's just going to be, did you did you accept my son or not? And I start with that basic fact. I am a child of God. I've asked Jesus to forgive my sins. He is my Savior. I live for him. And in that, I find that, that I haven't sold my soul in the literal sense. I've traded it for something better. And I'm becoming not only more like Christ, but I'm becoming more of what he created me to be. I didn't have to give up myself. I'm becoming a better version of myself. Because if you believe Genesis 1-1, man and wife, Adam and Eve, were meant to be with God every day in the garden in the cool of the evening. And mankind now lives without that connectivity. I feel like we wither and die in our souls without it, and we become our complete with it. So that's the core of why I stay. Because I don't care about all the other stuff. It's it's junk. It's leaves in my front yard that I wish I could scoop up and stick in a bag. 
I look at it and I shake my head because there are so many essential things. There are. There are things we have to do to be saved. You know, living for God, and, and 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 but it's more about what we're doing rather than what we don't do. So long we we've established that I'm a Christian because I don't watch movies or I don't listen to music, and and people are like, oh, I don't want to be a Christian. You don't do anything fun. Blah. Well, it sucks for y'all because I don't run it that way. I don't. You know, I got a lot of stuff I can do. A lot of stuff I don't want to do because I've watched it ruin my dad's life. He drank himself to death. I, smoking cigarettes is not something that appeals to me because I wish my grandma would do it, and I don't think teenagers look cool doing it. They look like dorkwads. They look like 21-year-olds trying to grow a mustache. You know, that one black line across their, their lip. I think it looks ridiculous. I've never been into drugs. Nobody will argue that that's not a good thing unless you're a hippie. And, um, you know, cheating on your wife, screwing around. You know, do what you want to do, but uh, there are consequences, okay? Natural consequences, whether you believe in God or not, there are. Your soul gets ripped up every time you sleep with someone you don't know. Casually give yourself away. Your self-esteem dies just a little bit. Blah, 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 blah. So, you know, there's so many practical ways to hit on that kind of stuff without saying, hey, hey guess what? You're going to hell, blah. Okay, so James, uh, for, that was the first reason. second reason is this, you know... Um, why do you hang out? All right, I can understand that you would say, the critic person would say, I can understand now why you would stick with God because what you're doing is you're moving past all that. You're, you're not one of those. You've, you found that there's something beyond that, and that's that's respectable, and that's cool that you're searching for that because most atheists would tell you, you know, I don't have a problem with Jesus. It's all his people. And please, please hear me on this. It's not all. It's not all. And, you know, the ones that, that we do think of, I I struggle with them too. They get on my nerves. But I love them. And they were that way before they got saved. Man, when I figured that out, it was like the biggest thing I ever figured out in my life. They were annoying before. They were crazy before. They were outlandish before. It might have been about something else. But I remember in my old church, there was this guy. His name was Mike, and he was insane. And every week he'd speak out. And every week he was loud and boisterous and obnoxious. And his worship was just full on. You know, he was just like he was trying to outshine everybody in the place. And somebody came to me and I was asking about him. He said, oh, you don't realize that's that's Mad Mike. Dude, before he was saved, he was the guy that would put on a clown wig and and be half naked in, in, the, in the, the, the football stadiums, you know, with the signs and all this kind of stuff. That's Mad Mike. He's always been that way. <laughs> I was like, well, gum, You know, context is everything. I was like, yeah, go ahead on, Mike. Go ahead on, Mad Mike. And he was. He's crazy. Anyway, I didn't really care for him, but he was a little over the top for me. But see, is that is that is that uh, irre- irreconcilable? Or is that just, I go to a lot of church with a lot of people, and, and we don't have chemistry, you know? It's not bad to admit I don't like somebody. Don't get Don't get cheesed off. Anyway, I never did get around to that second reason. I can understand you would say why you would connect with God. That is admirable. That's great. Blah, blah, blah. Great for you. Um, But if all these people, you know, in this church thing is such a chore or whatever, why, why wouldn't you just shake it off and live it out on your own? Well, there's many different reasons, you know. First of all, it's my job, you know. So I, I obviously, you know, you can, that, that, determines that I, I see some value in it. 
I see value in, in I love being a children's pastor because part of my goal is to keep those kids from growing up feeling the way some of us do about church and God, because I believe there is a true God that is as amazing as everybody says, and yet so loving and non-judgmental because of what Jesus Christ did that if you truly were introduced to him, you would be, you would be drawn to him like you would a, a, an old grandpa with too much candy and and not enough kisses, you know, just, you would just, oh, you would eat that up. I want to introduce my kids to that God because that's the one. No, he ain't Santa Claus and, and he's not tame and he asks us to grow and he challenges us and he puts us through Hades on earth sometimes, but it's always for our good. Ugh. Anyway, most people don't have problems with that guy. Uh, my my job is part of it. The other part, though, is that it, it, I don't know. Saint Augustine said it best, and and it's pretty hardcore. So listen up. The first time I heard this, I was like, "What? I don't know if I agree with this." It's pretty pretty brash. Saint Augustine once said, "The church is a whore. The church is a whore, but she's my mother." You hear that? Church is a jacked up mess sometimes. And in all in all, it's full of people that are trying to better themselves. They're trying to find God, trying to find peace, and they're trying to share it with people. I truly believe that. Even even these weirdo jerkwad butthole Christian types that we're talking about, I do believe they're trying to better themselves. And trying to find true God. I think people are broken. I think they're hurt. I think people have weird childhoods and they try to apply what, you know, the God stuff to that instead of the other way around. Church is is a is a hot mess. But without it, I wouldn't know God. Without church, I would have not had enough VBS and JB and and uh, vacation Bible school and Sunday school in me to keep God. After when I was asking all the questions, how would I have known that I, I even was going to be called to be a minister? And then how? Where without the church, where would I find a group of kids and families that I get to minister to? The true love of God, the the non judgmental, accepting, loving God, who doesn't want you to clean up before you take a bath who wants you as you are and is willing to create in you who he wants you to be and help the crap that weighs you down and that you wish you could change he's patient more patient than even you are as you think he judges you he begs for you to be patient with him as he works out his will in your life without church I wouldn't have known and as boring as it was for me when I was a kid, and as stressful as it was during worship when everybody was lifting and manifesting and I wasn't doing anything, as hard as it was in high school when my music and you know the assumptions made about me were, were oh, ugh, I was a teenager, I must be bad. All of that, uh, it was worth it. And so I'm in a unique position where I get to be a good guy. And instead of the Sunday school teachers I had as a kid, 
I get to be one of those few people that were in my own life that kept me strategically in in certain spots in my life that showed up. The Miss Leonardis from second grade, wonderful lady that I, I don't even know who she is or what she is or what she's doing, but she was a teacher. She wasn't even my teacher. But if it wasn't for her, I would not be an artist. And it was just the simplest thing. But I know God put her there. And my third grade teacher, God, I can't remember her name. Higginbottom or something like that. I don't know. But she helped me to believe that I was smart when my stepdad told me I was stupid. And that was God's voice speaking through her. She made me feel, she didn't just make me feel, she showed me that I thought a certain way, that I had an, a mind that I could use to figure things out that other kids couldn't figure out. I knew the way science projects would turn out before anybody else did, and she would let me come up to the front and share it. I was smart by God because this teacher said so. I wasn't stupid. And then there was David Godbout in my young adult life who's been on, you know, nobody's listening a couple times. His kids have both been on there. So you know we're connected. This man was the first person about the time. It was right after, I guess, not too far after I'd said I was going to start looking for what was real. God dropped him into our life and our church that we randomly selected because of the part of town it was in, not necessarily anything else. And I watched him go through hell for three years in a church he didn't fit in. You know, some miscommunication. Pastor said he wanted one thing. David brought it. It wasn't what Pastor wanted. Pastor started driving him out. But I watched this man. I guess in the big picture, just watched him fail. The greatest man I've ever met on this earth. And I watched him fail. And I learned so much because he was real. He was, he didn't have a church voice and then a home voice. You know what I'm saying? The ch- pastor voice and then the back door at the back door of the church voice and then the voice he used with his kids. He had one voice the whole time. You know, through circumstances and doing his taxes and stuff like that, we you know we we just learned things that they didn't give just ten percent of their f- income, like the minimum. Most people don't even do that. They did more. I mean, twenty, twenty-five, thirty percent for missions and offerings and stuff like that. That was huge. I never, even, my mom never even tied tithed regularly, giving a tenth of your income to the church. His kids weren't brats. And they were allowed to dress almost how they wanted within reason. They could listen to rock music. (laughs) And there was never a more spiritual, deeply spiritual person that I've ever met. Somebody that could touch the face of God with his prayers. When he talked to kids about God, things happened. Lives were changed. People were drawn to him. And I'm building him up like he's a Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, in a, in a time in my life where I could not fathom the possibility of being like Christ because he was so perfect and so far away from me, it seemed at the time, I figured maybe I could be like David Godbout. And with him on at the helm 
and li- leading me and showing me examples, never really ever sitting down with me one-on-one. But I got to watch him be a human being first and, you know, be a pastor, be a child of God, a, a, a husband, a father. And in every area of his life, he was consistent. And I could see the fingerprint of God on it, whatever that means. I knew this man was doing this Christian thing right. It was like what you read about in the Bible but never saw in real life. And I wanted that. That's what I I wanted. I'm 37 now. I'm the age he was when I met him. It's been, what, 14 years ago, 15 years ago. And so much has happened. So much has changed. But we, from that moment on, decided we were going to follow God's will for our life. And though along the way, that you know, we're not perfect. We haven't done everything right, that's for sure. But when God has challenged us to do something, we've done it. And it sucks. Oh, initially, it's just hard. I mean, because it's been stuff like we've had a house picked out and then walk away and just have this feeling. And I know it's God saying, no. But I want it, and I almost do do it anyway. But then I'm like, no, we we just can't, and there's no reason given. <laughs> oh, try living by faith sometimes, people. It it's hard. Anyway, I don't know if I'm even still on point. I guess I'm just trying to say there is there is real out there in relation to God, and I. If you're still listening to this and you're an unchurched or an atheistic person, you owe it to yourself to chase the real and ignore the hurt, ignore that, push past that, these people, your assumptions. I don't want to be associated with those people. I hate being associated with those freaking God hates fags people. Do you think we love that? Oh my gosh, freaking Michael Phelps or not Michael Phelps, he's the but it this Phelps pastor, Fred Phelps, the pastor out in Kansas. I used to live like down the street from these morons. You know, God loves them and 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 I do as humans, but I pity them. God, they're so hateful. And they're the ones that get all the press cuz they're stupid. And nobody cares about the silent living out their lives father of four just doing what they're supposed to do and and just serving God. Nobody's going to make a show out of that. I don't even care. (laughs) You know? I'm not going to watch anything on the news about that. But Fred Phelps and his haters show up and, oh, now everybody in America thinks that's that's us. Uh, I did too before I did some research on him. Found out it's just him and a hundred so people and most of them are his family members. Oh, that did me so good to know he was just a psychopath. And just his family was a psychopath. Uh, I don't know why, but it just felt better. I was like, I'm glad it's not like a whole bunch of people. It's just them. But the see, the problem is nobody knows that, and so we're all painted with the same brush. I don't think God hates fags, just for the record. Let me just say it. I think God loves gay people, loves them, loves them, and accepts you and will accept you as you are. 
Dun, dun, dun. Non-Christian person. <laughs> yes, we believe homosexuality is a sin. You knew that. You knew that before you even started listening. You knew that, okay? But I don't believe it's any worse than any other sin that any other person has committed. And I believe it's a unique sin. I believe it's unique in that it's something that was done to you maybe before you could even remember. And I'm not going to argue whether we were born that way or not. I don't really care and I don't think it matters. But I know deep in your heart, you're filling a hole. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> Bert. <laughs> you're filling a void in your life. And it ain't working. Just the way the alcoholic tries to f run from a hole in their life. And it don't work. Oh, it works for a time. But in the big picture, it doesn't. Just like the obese person tries to fill their life with something and it doesn't work. The, the compulsive shopper. Are gay folks any really any different than the rest of us and our hang-ups and our issues? Except that theirs is just socially unacceptable still and they receive so much hatred. Well, and, and, you know, we're talking just, just the stereotypical gays. There's so many gays out there you don't even know. You'd never be able to tag them in a million years. They need Jesus. They need to become what God created them to be. They don't need to quit being gay before they get saved. They get saved and let God work it out. Dad gummit. Did you quit smoking when you got saved? Oh, yeah, I had a miraculous... Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. But not all of us get that. I was still fat after I got saved. Some people are still addicted to drugs after they get saved. Some people are still going to be gay or divorced or have had an abortion. Let God deal with that. It's not yours to judge. All of us are given so much grace. And you want to be honest, I think it takes more grace to live your life right than it ever did when you were living it wrong. Oh, gosh. Doing what is right is so much harder than getting forgiven for doing wrong. But you know what? There's a reward. It's just opposite world. You know, you do bad stuff, it feels good immediately, it sucks later. God stuff, it sucks at the beginning. And it's awesome when you get the outcome. It's like farming. Farmville. All right, I've talked enough. I've talked for 42 flipping minutes, the longest GOK in life. And I didn't even mean to talk about this. It was supposed to be pretty pretty basic, pretty simple in response to something that happened. You know, I, I had a – I had a. it was a cross between this. I, I was getting my hair cut by a lady that was obviously – I don't know about her. I don't know. She was just talking to me and she, ran, she says – she's very talkative. She says, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm, a, I'm actually working at a church. I'm a children's pastor. I have the cutest congregation in the world. I usually try to say that to let them know I don't take myself too seriously. And she said, oh. And that was the last word she said the entire time. And I was not offended. It just kind of broke my heart a little bit because I'm like, what, what, what happened to her? That that she couldn't talk to me. What 
who was the last pastor that she cut their hair and they just railed on her or got all up in her business trying, thinking they were helping her, but really just making her feel like crap on a stick. Ah, oh, I just keep thinking of Jesus with the, you know, Mary and laying there, you know, and all, where are your accusers? There are none, my Lord. Well, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. I love that. Jesus wasn't about hating on people. Yes, he had standards. Yes, he has. Yes, you have to be forgiven to get into the kingdom of heaven. But you don't have to be sinless. You don't have to be perfect. And the perfection that we achieve doesn't come from in ourselves. It is a gift from God. The fruits of the Spirit will come in full circle are not something you can squeeze out. No more than a tree can grit its teeth and pop out lemons and limes. It comes from being watered properly and getting the right amount of sun. It's a balance. Trees don't grow fruits of the Spirit. I think so many times these type of people... They would leave folks alone if they just dressed like they did and went to church. Anything they didn't know about, they wouldn't mind. You know why I think that? Because there's a lot of Christians that live their lives that way. They're Christians on Sunday and they're judgmental Monday through Friday. Anyway, I said I would go. Oh, well, that was the first part. I forgot. It was the lady. I just felt really bad. And I was going to do one on that last week, but I just didn't even do it. And I know why now because I wasn't done yet. Had a situation at a prayer service here recently where somebody was just flat out wrong. They were off. And, and I don't hate them. I don't think they're evil. I don't think they have, they're ill-intentioned. I just think God talks to them and they feel like it's for everybody. I think their past kind of clouds what they're hearing from God, you know, kind of thing. Because I do believe God speaks to people. I believe it's, you know, because uh, he's spoken to me. It's not, you know, hellfire and brimstone and flaming bushes and all that kind of stuff. But I do look for, for him to speak through others and, you know, the laugh of a child and all that stuff. Um. But she was it was just spewing out a lot of hate. And there's 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 scripture in First Corinthians fourteen, twenty-six that talks, especially the whole chapter, talks about order and worship, especially in regards to the 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 using the gifts of the spirit. That we're all challenged to come together, each with a psalm or a hymn or a word. But it's very clear that all of these things should be done for the edifying, aka the building up. Of the church, and this word came down, and it was very negative. It was very condescending. It was very much, um, you know, and 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 it was to the people that were at this prayer group. This was a Saturday night prayer group. There's like less than ten people there. This is the cream of the crop. This is the Christians, Christians. You know what I'm talking about? And 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 it, it was just coming across like you know, I mean, words like witchcraft were used and. And uh, fleshliness and all that, and and I just sat there and my brain just burned because it 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 was somebody that was getting getting a voice that shouldn't have had a voice, and they were spreading the 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 very things that almost made me lose my faith in the first place. Just this junk, you know. I live in a world that tears me to bits. But when I come to God, I, I look to him. And part of the reason I, I put up with his mess 
is because he makes me better and he builds me up and he makes me more of a, a cool person that I actually like being half the time for a change. And I don't, you know, I just, that didn't sound like the God I knew at all. And plus I wasn't into witchcraft. <laughs> uh, and so I, after she was done, I says, so God's upset with us? He's angry with us because everybody was just kind of sitting there receiving it, and that's what you kind of do. You you just close your eyes and bow your head, and you go. And you, on the outside, you're looking all pious. On the inside, you're going what? But you can't embarrass anybody, so you don't say anything, even though the Bible says that we should. And as one of the pastors, I just felt like I needed to question it. Let's call it into question, test and approve. We are thinkers, some of us. We are intellectuals. But I asked, I said, so God's mad at us? Please tell me, where's the witchcraft? Because I want to get rid of it. <laughs> Is it in a box somewhere in the closet? Oh, I'm being facetious. but And I was looked at, and it was very hard. I was looked at like an idiot. And nobody came to my, got my back. Um... Not that I could see. I think I actually was part of the majority there. But Southern culture does not allow for things like I pull. <laughs> but I couldn't sit there and let that go and not let people know, stop, iPad. It's awesome. Thank you for reminding me. Beep, beep. But I couldn't sit there and let that go and let people think that they were the only ones that thought that was off. You know, and I couldn't also let somebody get out of there and think God hated them. You know, what if there's somebody that was so new to it and they just thought anything everybody said was that they said was from God really was. And they're just like, oh, man, I thought I was doing good. And I, he hates me like my mom hated me. And, you know, and then they can't win. Right. Um, actually, it turned out that I, you know, my wife was the person because I asked her later. I says, Jen, you know, do you. Is it okay with you? I just need to know because every now and then I just speak out against this stuff. I can't let it go. Are you embarrassed by me? Are you proud of me? Are you glad or whatever? She goes, well, I am. I am glad. She said, because I wanted to walk out of there. I thought this is the new thing to do and we're, we're the minority and we're, you know, I wanted to leave, she said. And I felt like I, since I didn't like that, that I must be wrong. And so when you spoke out, it let me know. And I was like, see, dang gum, if it wasn't for anybody, thank God I spoke up just for her. And this is, again, is this person evil? No. But do they need to get some word in them and get discipled a little bit? Yes. Yes, they do. But God really showed me because I was angry. I'll be honest, I was angry. Because there was some there was some prayer time right after that. Then I had some time to think it through and pray it through. And God said, "James, you you can't be mad." Yes, I can. Yes, I can. <laughs> he says, uh, or the thought that came to my head was, well, when your son babbles, your two and a half your two and a half year old son babbles and makes no sense, do you get mad at him, or is it just that he hasn't learned to speak? When you say something and he repeats it wrong, do you get mad at him or do you keep working with him? And I realized, obviously, what he was saying is these were spiritual children that didn't know they were they were kids. That's the thing. 
somebody needs to tell them. But they're trying to operate as adults in their in, in their spiritual life, and they're babbling. And when kids babble, you don't take it seriously. So I still think I did the right thing, calling it out. Probably would have handled it a little different, but I'm glad it got handled. But it gave me peace, and it helps me love these people, and pity them a little bit, and you know, gives me direction for how to deal with them. They're not to be ostracized or hated on, but if they can be turned, as Darth Vader said, if they can be turned to, from the dark side, then uh, they could be a powerful ally. So um, just know, atheists, hurt, Christian, ex-Christian people, whatever you are, uh, there are people out there fighting. <laughs> not fighting, but we're, we're striving to remove... That kind of criddle, crizzle from uh, from our churches. And not by kicking out people, but by being patient with them and loving with them and teaching them that salvation is not a gift to hold up over our heads. Like, haha, I'm better than you. It is a freely given gift from our God that should be held out and should be made as attractive to you guys as it was when it was presented to us. Something drew us to God, and it was not a judgmental, hateful spirit. And it wasn't the faith of our fathers. It wasn't stupidity. It wasn't a blind acceptance of God, things of God. In some cases, I guess there are people that just do that. They just seem to be drawn to it. But in my case, though I was raised in it, what drew me and kept me was God's love gives me purpose. God's love is the reason we live and move and have a purpose. And I am not the best evangelist in the world. I'm not the guy on the side of the walk with the walkie-talkie or the thing screaming at everybody. Maybe I should be, but I don't think those guys really do much good. But I hope that my life, if anything, is just something somebody could look at and say, hey, I don't know if I could be like Jesus, but I could be like James Kennison. You know what I'm saying? Not because I'm all that, but because I'm not all that. But I still make this Jesus thing work. So God bless you, people. Thank you for listening. I'd love to get your comments gok.nlcast.com or email me at james at nlcast.com or you can Facebook me or follow me on Twitter twitter.com slash nlcast sorry about the depth of this one not really you guys seem to like it when I get like this <laughs> but uh, we'll see you next time this has been GOK18 the whole thing was the GOK now, so there's no scripture needed tonight other than 1 Corinthians 14.26 look it up don't be lazy BibleGateway.com, best website ever. Peace.